The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. My name's Nate Heininger, and I am joined this week by two artsy co-hosts. Lauren Ash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about the Forever the Forever Labyrinth. A, the Forever uh, Labyrinth. The Forever Labyrinth, which I guess I'm saying out loud now for the first time. I, I feel like I stumbled over it like three times. It's a good name, but... Harder to say than I thought it was going to be. But anyway, it's a, uh, it is a collaboration between Inkle, a game studio that we absolutely love. I think top-tier short game game studio. And Google, an evil conglomerate. So interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting collab here. Um, and the game is free and takes... At least an hour, kind of your mileage may vary, but right in the wheelhouse of the short game. We were talking about doing something completely different this weekend, and this dropped out of nowhere, and here we are. We we rushed to yeah. cover the new Inkle game. They teased it and then released it two days later. Yeah. <laughs> they, they teased it on the 30th of January. It's February 6th recording this. Like, we, yeah. we did not give ourselves a ton of time, but neither did Inkle, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, definitely playable in a in a sitting. Um, I think you could probably end up sinking a ton of hours in this game, which we'll we'll talk about. But um, you can really get a good taste of it and a full run, so to speak, in about an hour or so, which uh, made it perfect for us. It's also for one of this kind of game. I thought it was just visually stunning and had really great like UX and interaction. This, this yeah. played out kind of like a point and click, but with a really slick um, like experience of navigating that was totally unique. So really, yeah. really fun. I love that my tasks were separate from my art. Um, <laughs> honestly, a lot of games that are about like art museums or art in general kind of like stick shit on the art, like stick yeah. overlays on it. This one was like, no. We're going to put it in a box. Yeah, they use it in a transformative way. But this really does just sort of present it in an authentic way, like Mm -hmm. on a on a virtual wall for you. This is a beautiful gallery of uh, an unlimited amount, it seems like, of incredible (laughs) artwork. Sure seems that way. Um, Yeah, this game definitely had the Inkle uh, shine on the whole thing. Right. Um, and, And probably a little bit of the. Google funding. But um, before yeah. we get too far into really digging into this game, I was thinking as I was playing this um, that uh, I, I I really enjoy going to an art museum. And this had a bit of an overlap oh, yeah. with that experience. I was curious to hear um, the two of you. You're, are, are you big museum people? Do you like going to art museums? Um, Laura, I know you're in a art museum capital so to speak. Um, let's start with you. How, how do you feel about the, uh, the art museum experience? 
I love it. And I think there's two ways I've experienced art museums. And some is when I'm traveling and that's the like, you have one day to see all the treasures of a city, like the the pressure mm-hmm. of like, I want to see the great pieces. I, I want to explore this. But I've also been lucky enough that, you know, for three or four years, I worked across the street from the Art Institute of Chicago and I got a membership and I would just go there on my lunch break when it was 10 degrees outside and I couldn't walk outside and I would just wander the weird side galleries. So I got to know that museum well. And um, when we moved here to New York, um, our friends gave us a MoMA, Museum of Modern Art membership. But then it closed for the pandemic and so it first extended because they were under construction and then it extended for the pandemic and then they upgraded us because they no longer had the tier we were at. So we somehow took a one-year membership and like went for three and a half years to MoMA. <laughs> like obviously there was a <laughs> pandemic for part of it, but like yeah, it, it was a bit extreme that when it finally ran out, we were like, yeah, we got our like $90 worth out of that one. Like we went like yeah. nine times on that pass or something. Um, so now when people come, I'm like, Oh, we're gonna go to this room. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, most museums you know in New York. I'm not for. those people, yeah. but like, it, it's nice to have like a couple museums you have a relationship with. You just you, you don't have to see everything every time. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. It, it's it's wonderful to be going back over and over again to the same museum and just seeing how, uh, you know, having that what you said is so perfect a relationship with it. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I, one of my favorite things in the Art Institute for people in Chicago is if you go downstairs near the uh, statue gallery, there's a weird carved lock that has what a German locksmithing competition. It's so it's broad or whatever locks are made out of for a door. And all the entire story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves is carved on the lock. So there are sev- uh-huh. six hidden dwarves. Wow on it and a snow white sleeping and when you open it apparently the key has the last door on it and then you open it and the prince is inside and i was like i just sat there like looked for the dwarves because they don't tell you that the seventh one is on the key so i would sit there and like try to find the seventh door for hours until a curator came (laughs) up and was like it's on it's right here it's on the key (laughs) like it's not on the lock it's not here for the listener, Laura has been very much talking with her hands during oh, this, yeah. and has been very enjoyable watching her try to create with her hands a tiny lock that has all the seven dwarves on it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It's incredibly <laughs> elaborate, but it's the kind of thing you don't see on your first, second, third, yeah. fourth trip. No, I've been there. I've been there, yeah. I think, a couple times, and I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, I love that. That is one of my favorite uh, museums to go to as well. Shane, how about yourself? Well, yeah. Are you? Do you have anything in your area or or any museum, art museum, you know, history that you've gone to? Houston has uh, some fantastic museums. Um, one of my so I, I love uh, the Houston, you know, uh, the MFAH Museum of Fine Arts Houston, mm-hmm. and um, th- it's a it's a great museum because it's right in the middle of the town, and you've got uh, just a constantly changing set of exhibits, but my favorite thing that they do there is their little movie theater that's inside the museum where you can go and see like, you know, every, every year they'll, they'll play all the like Oscar nominated short films in one mm. uh, series of nights cool. um, or uh, different things like that. It's just a, a really fun uh, 
museum to go to. And Houston also just has some very bizarre museums like the the funeral history museum. Uh, uh, there's a museum of the history of printing. Uh, there are a lot of weird little museums in Houston. I love a good weird museum. I know in uh I went to San Francisco for a couple days a few years ago. We went to the like coin operated museum. I forget the name of it. I know I talked about it when when uh on the show when I went there. Um I'll have to look it up, put it in the show notes. But uh the you know, it's just a, a massive room full of like every sort of old arcade game, including ones before the the concept of arcade games really existed, just like coin operated dolls and and weird little shows you'd put a a penny in and it would just play a little marionette show for you and that was you know the entertainment um i I love that there's a neon museum here in st louis that i've been meaning to go to we do have a great art museum that i that i love neon Um, museum sounds really uh spectacular yeah. Um, yeah, I would love to see that. That I love seeing neon signs and like authentic neon tube um, mm-hmm. lights. Those are so cool. Uh, I have a good game that I play in museums sometime, and I, I did this with a um, uh, my husband's cousin. Like, had just graduated from college and was visiting, um, and we were in MoMA, and we were standing in a huge gallery, and I was like, "Okay, Carly, what are you stealing in this room?" And she goes. <gasps> what it's like i was like what are you stealing i was like not what's your favorite piece like what are you taking home with you from this that is a different that (laughs) is a different thing yeah Mm -hmm. like because well then you're adding in the element of are you actually trying to figure out how you steal it because mm -hmm. my answer would be a little bit different because i'm not getting that statue but that little you know that little signet over there Maybe I'm getting that in my pocket. I'm getting out with it. You know what I mean? Just a full Rodin broads coming home with me. <laughs> uh-huh. I I like I like the idea of getting the full size Rodin bronze, if only because it means that in this scenario, I have planned a very elaborate heist. And that's that's my kind of heist. Uh, yeah, I want to come out of there, you know, through the roof in a helicopter. I don't know. There's art you love and there's art that you want to live on your in your apartment and they are very different things there's there's a distinct difference between art and decorative art or just decor um and you know i love uh, a museum that kind of uh checks the where the line is and explores that as a Mm -hmm. as a space get some exhibits of uh like you know fine uh historic furniture things like that very cool but uh, yeah, I'm not stealing like a fancy old chair. I'm I want a, something that's going to f- really tie the room together, like a Rodan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just one of those. I I will say I love decorative arts, and so like if I was let loose in the Victorian Albert, and no one would ever catch me, <laughs> like I would that place would be bare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to the uh, Rhode Island school of design museum a few years ago which is a uh you know it's an art institute it's where the talking heads met which is cool um and they had i loved their uh i loved the re-release of uh, stop making sense did you get 24 24 is awesome fantastic yeah yeah i'm a i'm a huge talking heads fan and um they uh they had a piece there that I, i was actually just like surprised at how much it struck me they have a it's called a panel with striding lion it's actually li- literally a piece from babylon 
uh, that they just wow. had on the wall. And I just, I couldn't. I've seen you know, some of those. They're absurd. The, the huge tiles that go all yes. the way down the hallway. Yeah. Yeah. They just had one. This was just one of them. But I don't know. Like, it just, just to think about the history that somehow that, that panel with a lion on it has now found itself in a museum in Rhode Island. Yeah. Pretty incredible. Yeah. The um, Pergamum in Berlin has an absurd amount of just buildings inside it and mm-hmm. like including the gates of Babylon and on the way down the hallway you take is, is completely lined with the actual mosaic clients. Yeah. Cool. Um, like the excess is absurd. <laughs> nice. Um, um, I went to here in outside of St. Louis out, uh, not that far though. There was a, uh, transportation history museum that, mm. uh, was really interesting when, when, um, I went with, uh, my wife and, and her father, it's something, a place that he really loves. And, uh, I don't know, in my head, I was just imagining like a kind of a standard museum and it was gonna be like, oh, here's the you know, exhaust pipe from a train from 1910. And it was just going to be like behind glass or, or something like a more standard <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of, but museum. no, they let you, they let you touch the exhaust from the 1910 train. <laughs> no, Not behind more glass. so than that. Yes. Shane, actually, and even more so this place was an entire train yard and, mm. um, you could go inside of the trains. I kind of felt like a little kid because I'm like trains. Yay. But actually I was like trains. Yay. Uh, and it was pretty amazing. Like going into these old massive trains, you could walk down the middle of them and they couldn't. So, you know, it's a museum. So they had set up where it's like, this is where the crew would sit. And you're like, they'd be like, they would have 20 people in here. And you're like, that sounds horrible. But, uh, you know, they also like a lot of like, here's a car from the future. And it was like a car from the fifties. that was supposed to run on, you know, like meat or something like so just insane, different prototypes of cars and whatnot that have, that have existed over the last yeah. hundred years. And it was really cool. Yeah. That experiential part of museums. Um, I, I'm, you have me thinking about just vehicles, obviously mm-hmm. one of my most exciting experiences was a friend of mine, um, that uh, Laura knows our friend Siba. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he's been on the show. Now it's been oh, about yes. nine and a half years since he's been That's on the right. show, but he predates yeah, he on, me. <laughs> he was on. We did. Uh, we did a very early board game episode. That's right. Yeah. And he was on it. Yes. So um, he he called me up and said, you know, hey, I have an extra ticket uh, down at the Lone Star Flight Museum. Uh, mm, to nice. get up over Galveston in a World War II bomber. <laughs> and of course he uh, does. That's the most yeah. on brand thing for him to do. Uh-huh. Like when he said and he was, was... going to take me Christmas shopping and was like, psych, you're, you're jumping out of a plane. Merry Christmas. Like, see, but just does stuff. How was the, how was the flight? It was really cool. It was really, really amazing. Like you, um, you watch some of these old war movies and, uh, you know, they, they kind of sell the idea that they're up there in the sky in like a, a like a shaking pile of sheet metal that's held together mm-hmm. by uh, just yeah. uh, <laughs> by Spitting rivets a prayer. and hope. Yeah, yeah, and, turret gunner. And uh, yeah, and there, there's a there was a, a a turret that you could look down. I didn't. I, you could get down into uh, on this plane, uh, but nothing really sells the fear. Uh, <laughs> like looking down out of the bottom 
of the, of the plane, <laughs> and not not just through the bomb door, through random holes oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> in the plane. There were plenty of places where, like, you could have you they and they warned you not to oh, they drop your have phone. To tell me twice. Uh, you could drop your phone. You could drop your you drop lots of things. Yeah, <laughs> you could drop through some of these holes. And yeah, it was it was very very cool. Um, yeah, when you're in, even if you fly a lot, um, you as a passenger on an airliner, mainly your experience is looking a little bit to the left to see a tiny tiny bit of the sky. And the experience of flying is so much different when there's just holes everywhere and you can see <laughs> and feel the air flying past you. It's yeah. freaky. It's freaky. So. I, imagine. I mean, I've been in a four-person plane, but there weren't holes in it. So that's... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I've only ever been in a commercial airplane. So, you know. Um, uh, I can't top that museum going experience. So I'm going to, it's not even it. a museum going experience. No, at that it's, point. It was a very <laughs> unique experience, yeah. but the museum around at the Lone Star flight museum has it's pretty incredible. Uh, a pretty incredible collection of, uh, yeah. giant planes that you can, they're all very cool to see, even if you're not going inside them. Do y'all take pictures in museums? Cause I come, I, I have like, I think I took 80 on saturday when i went to the met um, i feel so weird just... about that because i'm like am i am i stealing the mona lisa mm. <laughs> you know? uh i would say some i mean it depends obviously no flash of course no. um but uh um but yeah i mean i like i took a picture of that uh that lion um piece mm-hmm. for at, at the rhode island uh, museum because it struck me so much and i wanted to like when i'm going back over the pictures and and like maybe sharing it with someone I wanted to remember it. But I think in general, I'm not a huge uh, photo person at a, at a museum. Yeah. I just, I like looking back at the, I have a big like slush pile. I've, I have two albums. Uh, again, Google owns all my information. So um, my Google photos have two albums in it. And one's just like museums and exhibits of pictures of stuff I've looked at. So I can remember like, Oh yes, I liked that painting. But I mm. also have one that I, it's just dogs in art. And whenever I see a picture of a dog in a painting or a sculpture, I take a picture of it and then I add it to the dogs, <laughs> the dogs at museum. I've been doing this for like 20 years. <laughs> Didn't you do a presentation uh, of dog or you did dogs? I did in a dogs in video games, but yeah, I have never, okay. I should just do a one that's like pictures of dogs I've taken from museums. Uh, this would be like, a. You, uh, we need to copyright this before we release yeah. this episode because this should be a what you should make a website out of this. Make yeah. your dogs in art website. This is the dog that is across from the Mona Lisa that I stared at when I had a panic attack <laughs> because there were too many people in the room. So I ran yeah. to the other side and I stared at this paint, this wall size painting, and there I just there was a dog in front of my face, and I took a picture of a dog, and some woman goes you're taking a picture of the dog instead of the Mona Lisa. And I was like, the dog <laughs> isn't on the internet. Like no Mona one, Lisa yeah. is. No one's going to remember this dog. <laughs> yeah. Do you put your other really good pieces over by the Mona Lisa or do you just su- surround it with bullshit because you know, no one's going to be looking at that anyway. Uh, I, well, I, I was, but that was yeah. also <laughs> desperation. Um, well, and you'd also just throw in a couple cans of soup at the Mona Lisa too, right? I, you, I was yeah. in hiding. Yeah, yeah, that's the other reason. <laughs> How did you know, Nate? <laughs> All right, let's let's move on. But hey, if you're listening and you want to share uh, your you know your favorite museum or some museum 
going experiences. We'd love to hear them either, uh, you know, through social media or in our in our discord. Um, but let's let's get back to the uh, let's get back to the game at hand. But I, I like to think that the, the conversation that we just had to is, is kind of what this game was going for. They wanted you to sort of spark this sort of this thought process and and this um you know the vibe of of experiencing a museum. Although obviously it's far stranger uh, and nothing like any museum that you'll may ever actually exist but it has a museum going quality to it so laura will you kind of give us a breakdown of like what and why this game is sure so google likes to do weird stuff with the um vast collection of art and metadata they have associated with art um they've got an arts and culture department and they work with a ton of museums on um, trying to digitize their collections and make them available through like like a, a data synthesis between both the museums. The museum has all the stuff on their website, but Google will also suck it in. Um, they do all kinds of stuff like picture of the day. They have weird things like you're on lunch break. Here's 20 pictures of food. Like it, they do really strange stuff with it. But recently at... Um, Google started a gaming residency specifically to invite developers to play with the big amount of art data. And most people seem to have made things like it's a procedurally generated tarot deck that will grab a piece of art with and stick it on a tarot deck or something. Um, Inkle did something a little deeper that I hope is a sign of what's to come, which is um, they've made a game where you are using art as portals, where you... Um, you're moving from room to room and each room, after you look at all the art, you realize they share uh, a keyword in common, whether it's beards or sun or conflict was one of them. Um, smiles. So can't get smiles, faces, eyes, all kinds of things. And once you find what they have common, you kind of know what the room is, but you can look at a painting and think of a word to go to the next room and you are being... Um, you're uncovering why you're here, but you're in a labyrinth moving from place to place, being pursued by mysterious figures, meeting other people, picking up objects, getting tasks. Um, but the main mechanic is land in a room, land in a environment that is black and white and hand-drawn sketch, but on the walls or trees or hanging out in space are pictures pulled from museums all around the world. Um, and when you click on them, you get a little bit of information about where they're from, but also can are kind of searching them for keywords. Like, does this have something that will get me to the next place I need to go? So it's portal diving with metadata. Yeah. I made it sound really boring, but it, it's a little more fun <laughs> than that. <laughs> but it's a cool to look at a yeah. The, what you're saying about the mechanics, I mean, it, the, part of the interesting aspect of this game is it doesn't really tell you like, hey, here's the mechanics. What it really is mm -hmm. doing is putting you into this um, bizarre space that you kind of navigate in a dreamlike way. Right. And, and the story yeah. tells you about this being this massive labyrinth full of uh, different rooms and the collected artwork of the entire uh, the whole world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, 
you know, the the doorways in a very Mario 64 inspired mm. method are mm. uh, doors that you are kind of ch- jumping through, uh, but only using these different keywords, which um, the keyword based navigation kind of took me back to uh, Marissa Marcel. Uh, yeah, and, I, you know, I thought the around. same thing, Shane. That was like, this is a Sam Barlow game like through and through just made yeah, by but it's uh a different it's company. not a sam barlow game it's a john ingold game and yeah. uh it's very it's a little it's a little different from for him but i think it it's um i mean it's it's definitely different from something like an like a overboard well, is it? Or 80. I, I, maybe it is kind of like 80 days there's a sort of a global um culture element to it that i think yeah. re- resonates with that um the story has a lot of hooks. It's not quite as it's yeah. not as deep as Eighty Days. It's not as extensive, but it's very broad. Um, uh, yeah, Let, let's talk about the story just a little bit because it is kind of strange, and um, in some ways, I really liked it, and in other ways, I couldn't tell if I was just like, you know, in a lot of ways, this game felt like. Did you ever have the old? Um, old Encarta CD ROMs by any chance? Yeah, this I felt kind of like oh an old Encarta. In an old this Encarta is, that's game. That's exactly what this It's the is. randomizer this is in, Wikipedia in, page, yeah. Where it's like, here's notable pieces of history and we have str- listeners that aren't that old. What Nate's <laughs> referring to is before you had the internet, but after computers, yes, there was a significant <laughs> period of time in that gap. Um, you would get, instead of something like Wikipedia, you would get an encyclopedia, the original Pedia, which... Uh, not in its original form of a series of books that takes up an entire wall of your house and was sold to your parents by uh, someone door to door, uh, but a tiny CD that actually had the f- complete world knowledge on it and some great animated GIFs. And yeah. as a as a throw in bonus along with this, you would sometimes get these weird little games that would be mostly stuff like um, a history quiz, but there would, uh, there would always be, uh, a game on there, uh, that, that, that was some kind of, uh, image gallery based game mm-hmm. because they, they had to put all those pictures, uh, from the encyclopedia onto this tiny CD and darn it, they were going to find different ways for you to look at them. So. Can I quickly tell a digressive Icarta story? <laughs> hey, yeah. that was what I, that's what I just did. <laughs> um, You're certainly welcome. Uh, so in, uh, while we were at, uh, middle school, elementary school, middle school, um, I was given, we, everyone traded papers name blind to edit and whoever's paper I got to edit had quoted from Encarta and left the footnote, which they automatically put. And so the whole paper was mostly an Encarta article and still had the Encarta links that they auto generate at the bottom. And I think I wrote as my only note, like who is this fool who didn't even bother to remove the footnote on Encarta? Like, I don't even want to edit the paper and waste my time. Um, I'm not surprised that fifth grade, It was Reagan. It was oh, Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> he nice. was so angry at me. He was like, I don't think the teacher would have noticed. I was like, it was on the paper. <laughs> it was a footnote. They you were going to notice. All of you do. I, I, all of you have known each other for way too long. Um, but also, I love fifth grade Laura just <laughs> roasting Reagan for his, for his footnotes. 
And fifth grade Reagan, uh, let me tell you, he would have cared about the footnotes. <laughs> he, <laughs> he he That's why I was so shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so in a lot of ways, this game felt like that to me. Um, I think that the writing is good and generally interesting, but it is kind of just like, it's just setting you up to click on another pit painting and, and, and try to find these connections. But you're, uh, you play as a, as a person who has gone to find their professor, professor Sheldrake, and they're missing. And you realize like, I guess you're staring at the painting and you realize you can step through the painting and that brings you into this magical world. And this figure known as the figure starts Mm -hmm. telling you that you are now in the forever labyrinth and they uh, don't worry about professor Sheldrake. Uh, They they may be gone dead or otherwise lost. Uh, You now need to find the source and if you don't find the source, the labyrinth will collapse forever. And it is the last, like humans are already extinct. Everybody's already dead. All we have left is this labyrinth. And if you don't find it and save it, it's going to go away forever. Or oh, something and also like a monster. That. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's also something going around messing it up. There's other um, people or otherwise things just in the labyrinth that you may or may not encounter. And you just keep running into this uh, figure who uh, can kill you, which was surprising. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're trying to, to basically find the like right pathway through the paintings to find yourself in a room known as the source. And that sort of, has you there's a ton of different clues and things where you're like you're finding pages of a journal and it'll say something like i saw the way they smiled and it was grand or something like that and then you know okay i need to find a painting that has a smile in it and then i can use that item to travel through that and you end up creating this sort of web because these or, you know, this web of portals, because these paintings, there's matching versions of them all over. And you're sort of bouncing around from room to room looking for the source. And it, in some ways, kind of holds your hand because there's only so many places you can go. And it starts, like, kind of guiding you along the way. Uh, but also, it's pretty obtuse as to what you're doing and why you're doing it the whole time. Um, and I think it really is just a frame story to get you to interact with the art, but, uh, it still is John Ingold. So like everything it does, it's very consistent. It has a very fine layer of polish over the whole thing, but ultimately I, you know, it's, it wasn't for me personally, like the most compelling story or anything like that. It strengthens over time. The the yes. there's a term in information architecture called scent of information, which is mm. that people generally are okay continuing to clip deeper into a website as long as they feel like they're getting forward. Like the the, the more information they're getting, they they're okay to get more information as long as they feel like yes, I'm I'm on the right track. I'm moving forward. Yeah. They're not going to be as irritated as if you know you click twenty times and you're getting no information on each page and. This has a like loose scent of information in the beginning, but as 
once you know what the game wants you to do, it actually like doubles down and strengthens it and makes it easier to follow the clues so that as you do repeat ways through the, the labyrinth, um, you know whether or not you're moving towards the end point. Um, it does a really good job of like being very... Most places that start out loosey goosey <laughs> don't get better. <laughs> this one yeah. does. So, like, once you start moving on a path, once you start realizing, like, oh, if I do this, I'll consistently get a journal page or something. Like, oh, I've been mm -hmm. met this person. I know now what to ask them. So, I know what to do after. It, it, it takes one or two to figure it out, but um, it does get faster and easier and get, then they open up new avenues afterwards. So, like, if you were frustrated yeah. the first time through, I mean, you're still looking at pretty art, so. Yeah, yeah. no, I never found it frustrating. And that it's more that I, that's why I kind of use the Encarta, um, mm -hmm. like, reference. Because at minimum, it was a, an interesting enough frame story to get me to click around and look at art. And I don't consider myself a, a huge, like, uh, art uh, have a, a, a deep well of knowledge around art. Um, but it was nice when you're like, Oh, like something that you, you do know just like appears, you know, I, like I found starry night or the girl with the pearl earring or, you know, some other very, very famous, uh, paintings. You're like, Oh, I know this one. That's kind of fun. And then you see, you know, 10, 15 other ones that I'd never heard about. So I'm like, Oh, I wonder what museum this is. in. And I was like really trying to take the game for what it was and what it was offering. And it really, I think, is primarily like look at this art and you know observe it. Ashley, what was your experience? My experience was um, it was uh, first off, I really liked right from the beginning the great care that's been taken with creating the environments in the game. Mm -hmm. um, the art style is a very simple uh, line work in a really lovely very consistent choice of sort of a uh lightish navy blue and a like a yellowy cream color and um every room is illustrated very very cleanly and in a way that you can kind of navigate around either with uh the arrow keys or just by scrolling if you have a touchpad um and although it is hand illustrated, it uses that kind of nice parallax effect to create a really good um, kind of exploring experience. And as you scroll up to these paintings, they kind of fill the screen and you can get a great look at the fantastic art that has been chosen for this game. Um, and a lot of the uh, little moment to moment things that you're doing, like collecting items and journal pages and things like that is represented really nicely. I played this uh, with my son sitting next to me and he was like, what's a gnomon? <laughs> I got to have a long conversation about the parts of a sundial. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think it's a, a very aesthetically cool game. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of interest, brings a lot of interest to that what could otherwise just be a, a very clickable image gallery, right? <laughs> and uh, and the way that you navigate around, I like that it doesn't really, um, it's not a hard game. It's not like it's, um, but it's not like it's like really totally hand-holding you right at the beginning mm -hmm. when you kind of have to make the leap to understand like how to navigate around using the concepts and the paintings. Um, 
but it supports you really well in learning to do that in a couple of ways that I loved, which is first off, um, you always have your collection of different ideas and um, items that you've found and so on that are uh, where things like the keywords are made very visually relevant with being nice, bold, underlined terms. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really helps you keep, keep track of what is useful to you in the in each moment as well, because it'll be highlighted. Um, things that aren't relevant in your current room or situation kind of gray out. Um, and that's obviously super helpful. Um, and then on top of that, the way that the writing plays back and forth with that, I, I think e- the, the character, I think it was the what's his name? The visage, the, the shape, the Um, figure, the The figure, figure. um, at one point kind of checks in with you, like appears a few times. And at one point was like, I see that you figured out how to navigate (laughs) Mm -hmm. around. uh, Yeah. And then eventually it's like, okay, you figure this out. Yeah. And eventually it's like, okay, I, you're done. I, you get it now. I like there's a, there's a first one where it's like, I think you're figuring it out. And then there's another one who's like, okay, now that you've got it, it's time to, and then solve my problems, please. Yeah. You, you, they start layering in the plot a little bit more once you've, once you've proven your metal of uh transfer. And you can read that very easily as the, the game just kind of guiding you through. This is a game that really you can do uh one play through one session of it and have a nice complete experience in like 20 mm-hmm. to 45 minutes is like my ba- mm-hmm. my guess yeah and i don't know it probably took me about 30 or 40 um and i took a nice like uh, took a took a nice uh, relaxed time with it and then um you know it, it it's it fulfills everything you'd expect in that kind of packed time frame i would say this I would compare the way it's pl- it's written and structured nicely to um, like a like a TV uh, anthology piece, uh, like a Twilight Zone episode or something like that. And yeah. it saves yeah. your progress to your Google account. So I yeah. played on my computer and then um, had trouble sleeping, and I opened up my phone and played around, and then got sleepy and shut it and then open it up on my computer again later. Like I, I feel like it, it, it is designed for you to wander in and out. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> Having it be synced is really nice and being mm-hmm. able to open it on different devices and just from a web browser, because um, it, it's a game that is kind of emulating that museum going nice exploratory experience. Even if you don't care about the story at all, you're like, Oh, well it's a nice, entertaining exercise to figure out, well, this painting that has a, a hand in it can t- take me through to that painting that has a hand in it as well. Yeah. Um, Except for you're going from like a weird forest where all the paintings are hung askew on trees into yeah. like some catacombs, you know, with a gravestone. One of my favorite things was the room names. You get some very odd combinations. Every room name has a structure of being first, um, well, it, some some location description, um, like the library of the blank hotel. And then into that, it'll insert whatever the uh, concept or theme that ties all of the art in the room together is. So you might have like in the Medusa hotel or in the hand hotel or in the fountain hotel. In the whiskered um, yeah. tunnels. The whiskered <laughs> tunnels. Yeah, I love it because it starts out when you enter in there. It'll just say, using that example, it'll just say like 
the tunnels or it, you know something like that and then intriguing after you look tunnels at, yeah intriguing tunnels and after you look at two or three paintings and you realize that they all have uh, whiskers in common which you don't have to personally recognize which was a saving grace for me um because i'm horrible at everything like this the game your the player character says huh it's as if all of these paintings have whiskers in them and then in the top left <laughs> where the uh where the title of the room is it like erases and then refills with in the whiskered tunnel or something like that like a really uh well written name and every room has you know this sort of two-layered name and it's it's really nice they've also got that kind of slight hint effect in the the riddles where um they'll they'll drop a, a little riddle for you to solve and one of the paintings matches and you have to go to that painting with a word in mind uh and it'll give you four or five answers and you get to pick it so it's like having hint mode on uh for yeah. what the possible thing could be um you get to still feel smart but it's not as if you have to type the exact word they need which like yeah, yeah there's lots of little details like that that too and uh one of the things I, I thought was really cool about this game, too, and I think was you know clearly utilizing their infinite wealth of information that they've scavenged from the world over the last 20 years. Uh, there's a this whole mechanic where you find inspiration coins, which sounds very dry <laughs> inspiration coins. But anyway, you can utilize those coins to manifest a painting yourself to essentially create a portal um, into another area. And what it does is you, as Shane was saying before, you have you have like your notebook and you have tasks and you have items that you have found. And it'll say, um, you know, give me some ideas for this painting, for this inspiration. And you will click two to three items or notes or whatever from your inventory and it will give you a painting that encapsulates those bits of inspiration. So you might have a task that says like, you know, I'll find... give you three words that make an excellent painting. I highly recommend everyone. Oh, yeah, at. please. Yeah. Horse, sun, feet. <laughs> okay. What'd gives you, you a that? great painting. It's <laughs> very good. <laughs> if you have the ability to, I highly recommend it. And it's useful because you get these tasks and you know, you're like, I'm looking for a room with horse feet. And so mm -hmm. you then use your inspiration coin to manifest a painting that has horse feet. And then you can look at it and sort of go to the area that you know you need to go. So it's oh, a Nate, that painting does not have horse feet. It is that is horse comma feet comma. <laughs> yeah, okay. Son. Sure, but well, but your point stands. I, yeah. I'm just clarifying that this particular <laughs> weird painting. I forgot to delete my footnotes. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, no, no, no. Uh, so <laughs> you, tattle. you, <laughs> you. Uh, so it has a gameplay mechanic, which I think is cool. And there are times where it becomes necessary, um, but there's all you can also just if you have one of these things, you can just drop it and sort of fast forward to. Uh, to where you need to go. Um, but it also is making use of that metadata, right? Because they've got yeah. all these keywords for all of these paintings. So it kind of doesn't matter what selection you use. They're going to find one 
that is going to somehow fit all of those things. And I don't know what sort of monstrosity Laura managed to summon with, with her keywords, but uh, it's pretty cool. It is a fun little, it it makes me want just like a mini game where I can just type in random words and and not like AI, not like the current AI stuff, but like actually type in random words and give me like a real painting that has those, uh, those buzzwords or those. I think there may be an AI angle here and I don't, I don't know if I can see exactly where the AI angle is in this, uh, apart from image tagging with metadata being like a big aspect of it. But if you go to the, the group that produced this, the Google arts and culture, uh, page, and this is on the play page on their, on their site. I, I, I found not an insignificant number of the things are doing some kind of AI metadata tagging or AI Mm. image generation uh, with this kind of wealth of, you know, human culture. Yeah. Uh, Like one of the top things on there is like, can you make an image prompt? That's the same as the image prompt that, uh, that we made to make this image from the art, Mm. Uh, some kind of game called say what you see. Uh, I'm not wild about that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> no. I did try say what you see. It seems fine, but wow. I, I don't feel like I'm helping mm-hmm. machine learning in this game. I feel like it's no. using it maybe for tagging, but I don't feel like yeah. anything I'm doing is helping train it out. Well, and it's not the the bigger problematic stuff. And we we had a whole discussion about this on the root trees are dead. But this game does yeah. not utilize AI art. But there may be some interesting stuff going on in the background um, yeah that that that's yeah. kind of what i was wondering I, i'm yeah i actually kind of assume that they did do that because it seems to be an enormous um gathering of of art that is that is tagged here and you yeah. get some interesting uh generative text out of that not just the room titles like we were saying before but when you walk up to a painting you know you might you might walk up to a painting in this and it's a painting of someone cleaning a kitchen something like that and you know your your main character, which is always subtitled as me, me. says, "Hmm, I don't recognize any of the concepts shown here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you walk to a painting or two around here, and you're like, "Wait, oh, this everyone in this room uh, and the art has aprons on. Yeah. This must be the Mesa of Aprons." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the this this painting doesn't look like doesn't have any concepts to me did crack me up a couple times because it is like, yeah, it'll just be like a man on a horse. And it's like this painting looks like nothing to me. And it's really speaking about the the gameplay mechanic of whether that painting yeah. is useful to you in that moment. Uh, but if you read it as it's very uh, Westworld. <laughs> yeah, I thought about Westworld, too. Um, there's also inexplicably a, a Colin Powell portrait that at least showed up for me. I don't know. <laughs> oh, if I did there. not get that. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, this game has a hundred percent too much Colin Powell in it. I had to, I had to click on this like full on portrait of Colin Powell, like too many times Like, get this guy out of my stupid art game. So much of it feels like it's it's just pulling from the database of like, give me a picture with a face in it. But yeah. sometimes they do have human written text for some of the photos. Like there's a picture from the Norman Rockwell Museum called a horseshoe over his door. And it's of um, a woman and a man in the hallway looking at something. And the the text it goes, it says, is he is he showing her a phone? <laughs> 
<laughs> like nice. So like a person wrote that. Like a person yeah. saw that art when they were playtesting and wanted to write a little blurb. So there's some of that dripped in. Yeah, I love that. There's definitely a few of those. I ran into one with um, there's like there's this painting I've seen before. Um, and it's like an old Dutch painting that has like a landscape with tons of people in it. And, uh, I, I've, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, but the, the text jumped in and said, you know, this is, this really seems like a cartoon. There's lots of, lots of little jokes in it. If you know where to look. And that's true of this painting, you can zoom in and see lots of little funny moments all over it. So mm-hmm. th- there's a lot of, there is a human touch. Uh, it's not yeah. just some kind of AI generated mix and match. No, I create. really don't think. I mean, it's John Ingold, right? That like no, that they course. are known for their attention to detail on in games and and specifically the written word, right? Mm-hmm. So like I I I I really besides the game engine, which is obviously automating some things and pulling from databases and whatnot, which isn't a mm-hmm. particularly new thing. Um, I feel like the the written part of it is all uh, you know, written for the game distinctly. I, I imagine there's quite the amount of stuff behind the hood going on to make it run that smooth. Speaking of the writing, there's one thing I noticed uh, in the credits uh, that I loved. This game actually has quite a lot of nice little riddles in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there is a s- separate riddles section in the credits uh, that has one, two, three main names. And then it says with, and then one, two, three, four, five, six additional riddle writers. So there was a whole (laughs) riddles team assembled for this game, which I very much appreciate it as a lover, a lover of riddles. At some point in this, I stumbled upon a bookshelf. I didn't figure out what to do with the bookshelf, but you can keep clicking on it to get titles. Um, and they make up a title and then they assign it the last name of somebody on the team. So uh, one of them is uh, a book entitled On the Subject of Robots with Nasty Red Eyes by Ingold. Or, <laughs> nice. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah. I kept clicking on that for a long time, um, enjoying all of the jokes. Um I have no idea what else you're supposed to do with that bookshelf, but there's a ton of little stuff like that where like the game, when it opens up, it says you could, you should spend about an hour with this game, but it's, you may spend far more time if you like. And there's so much little stuff like that. Like I found a piece of paper and a piece of charcoal. And then I found a tree where I could do a, a charcoal rubbing, of a like a witch's broomstick using all three of these things together but i never found what the witch's broomstick uh charcoal rubbing actually did for me because by time i eventually you know my my run concluded and like i never used it and there is a bit of a timing element you can only spend so much time in the labyrinth before the plot sort of forces you into next steps and so I think like if you really wanted to, you could probably really chart out like ideal paths and explore and identify a ton of these little tiny things. The labyrinth changes every time, but I think you can, it does preserve. Uh, so I played most loops of anybody. I think um, I destroyed the labyrinth, but I went back nice. in um, because I, I had 54 out of a hundred journal pages. Collected oh, wow. Yeah. At the you end. got way more than I did. 
Um, I didn't play the last. I didn't play Gravity Circuit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I hey. I died. So I died, and then did another full run and had my version of the ending. I I don't we. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't really done like spoilers or spoiler breaks on this, but um, I, I assume if we a need to. It's yeah. This does the story here have that much depth to it? I, Laura would be the there one. There are to spoilers. Answer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I I got one bit of a twist at the end of the run for the first time. There's a couple. Um, it does surprise you. One thing that I kept thinking about too, and I and I don't know. Maybe I've just gotten too like um like anti uh massive corporations but the whole the whole thing of this being a google game kept like i kept thinking about that the whole time while we were playing and it led it it lended itself to like the sort of encarta dryness of the whole thing to me even though it's never branded as like google until the very end there's something that just felt like giant evil corporation to me through this whole thing. I don't know. Did you guys feel that at all? Or is that just me? Hmm. Um, I don't have that strong. I have, I have had various, uh, phases in my lifelong relationship with Google. I have not (laughs) always felt that they were, uh, do no wrong kind of, kind of organization. I, I remember when they were explicitly not evil, (laughs) um and i i think i don't know this game if anything is evidence to the contrary i think this is a this is a fine production uh for a a big company like the alphabet to be creating (laughs) and um you know i i if if anything for there to be a google program that provides like i don't know a, a year of employment to like the people whose IF comp games I was playing in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's great. I think that's money well spent and they created a fine, a fine piece of art here. I mean, when I think about what Google gets out of this deal, I think, well, a bunch of people just play tested the heck out of their metadata. They, uh-huh get to tell everybody that they have access to all these images. They're like directing people to the arts and culture app. Um, they probably are get to report back to museums that X people sell their art. Like there's a lot of things like yeah. awareness and reach stuff because like, Google's job is to get you to look at stuff. Like that's their, that is their job is to, mm-hmm. to track you looking at stuff. Um, on the whole, that feels pretty like I don't, this doesn't feel like a sellout game. I've seen sellout games. This is not one of them. I think Google gave Inkle some money and Inkle made them a good game out of it that has their stuff in it. Um, it does feel a little like for, maybe it's because I've made these kinds of games, but I, the art is in a frame and the art is pulled from somewhere else. <laughs> like It is clear that the art is being dropped into the frame yeah. right from a database. But because of the way they've set it up and how they're not trying to hide that fact, I felt better about it. Um, I kind of like that um, I can see all the art I've seen as I played the game in a different tab. 
Like, I do understand the trade off of Google being like, and now I've tracked your art taste and I can sell you <laughs> yeah. um, shoes because I know you like maximalist stuff. So I'm going to sell yeah, you, you some really loud boots. 8.5 seconds longer on that painting than you did this painting. That tells me I'm going to mm. serve you this sort of ad. Yeah. And I'm I probably know, overthinking it. And I don't, yeah. I, I generally don't live my life in that sort of like, you know, um, pessimistic point of view about these sorts of things. But it was there was something about this game that just that sort of seeped through a little bit for me that made me feel like a little detached. Like if this had just been an Inkle game that was utilizing the the Google metadata, I don't think I would have felt that at all. But knowing that this was created by Google or, or Google like commissioned this just made me feel this a little bit like what are they really going for here? But I don't know. I'm probably just being paranoid. No, no, I think it's fine. I, to me, I, I don't think the partnership is invisible, but it doesn't mm -hmm. feel exploitative to me. Yeah. And th that I agree with. I, I like, I don't, I think I'm probably just particularly um, like uh, sensitive to that right now for whatever reason. Um, but uh, as far as the game actually goes, I mean, I think we've, we've spent, quite a while now talking about how lovely we found this experience overall so um what are we missing what else what haven't we covered on this game so far uh i will say that i enjoyed several of the characters i bet but i don't yeah. want to reveal those because i think those are part of the fun of the game um, yeah uh, I, I didn't run into a lot of other characters, but when I did, it was very nice. It was a good little breakup from the the sort of the, the overall um, pacing of the game. Um, I like the achievements at the end of the game where they tell you yes. what you did um, or didn't do. One time yeah. I finished a round and it was just blank and I was like, I made no progress. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of the objects are cool. You pick up. A magnificent diamond with a heart of fire in it. <laughs> Haven't figured out what that does. But yeah, um, that's what I mean. There's so much stuff that like you just pick up and put down and your run ins or, or whatever, or it's like, how much actually is in this game? It's it's pretty wild. It feels like there's a lot of things you could uncover. Yeah, I think it's um, the the art is being drawn from 3000 museums yeah. um, alone. Yeah. And then wow. on top of it, they built a pretty big game. Yeah. I like the way that they're able to take um, kind of this giant database of human creativity and, and put it into a context where it kind of is what it says it is. You know, you are wandering through a museum of um, all the art in the world you know, mm -hmm. in a sense. I do like the sense of randomness because mm -hmm. not only when you walk into a new room, you might walk side to side and you might have been in a hotel and now you're on a beach um, and then you're in a catacomb. Like it doesn't always make sense where you end up and the paintings are going to be like a picture from of Colin Powell next to the girl with a pearl earring. And you're like, what could these two things have in common? <laughs> um i like that randomness like it feels kind of like the yeah. wikipedia random entry button but for art mm -hmm. or the i'm feeling lucky button 
which yeah. I think no longer exists. No. It also made me think, uh, you know, what with the the recent release of the Apple Vision Pro and as more and more um, stuff seems to be heading towards mainstream adoption of virtual reality and augmented reality and stuff like that. Like if we if the fidelity could get there, you know, this might be what some future museum experiences might be like where you're you can kind of look at whatever you want, but through the lens of some sort of, you know, headset that makes you feel like you're there. And so yeah. uh, what if instead, like, it's far more interesting to me, it, it'd be cool to put on a headset and and feel like you're in the Louvre or, or, or yeah. MoMA or whatever. But it's even cooler if you put on a headset and you're in like a desolate wasteland and then suddenly you're on the moon and then suddenly you're, you know, down in a, a catacombs and you're also looking at stuff that's in MoMA. Like, I don't know. That's a, that's a more interesting future to me. I'll say one thing that I I do look a lot at pictures of art on the internet, but a thing in person you were just like, wow, that's the size of this painting. Yeah. Persistence of me memory is tiny. I just saw Flaming June, um, which is a picture of like a woman in an orange dress. And it's enormous. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is wall size. This is the size of my apartment wall. Like it's. Um, well, whereas, I mean, everyone knows this, I know. But whereas Mona Lisa is what, like 18 inches tall yeah, or something like bitty. that. It's like, mm -hmm. it's tiny. It's wallet sized. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be hilarious if if uh, it was like the, the size of a kid that was two by th two school. inches by three inches. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Oh, I really thought this thing was going to be more impressive. Yeah, um, but yeah. it's still really nice to look at something in um, like you would have to travel to see. Yeah, it's nice to be to see a lot of things I'd never had seen before. Yeah. I'm like, I thought I looked at a lot of art, but most of this I'd never seen before. No, I didn't recognize the vast majority of, of this. But that's also where it was kind of fun when you did when something did pop up where it's like, oh, well, like, I know that one. Like I said, Starry Night was in in mine, um, you know, the portrait of Colin Powell, which, of course, we all have a wallet version of that that we carry around with us. Um, there were a few other that stood out. There's a really rad one I found that I stared at for a while. Um, Raft of the Titanic by Warrington Colescott from 1987. And it is the Titanic's going down. Everyone's having a party. And there's a polar bear eating a woman. <laughs> like It is <laughs> it is like American folk art, contemporary art, super colorful. Nice. Yeah, I had some weird modern pop art show up in mine too, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I was like, Milwaukee Art Museum. Hell yeah. Send me there. I'm sold. <laughs> Well, I think we can all pretty safely say that we we really enjoyed this game and, you know, it's free. You can play it in a browser. So if it sounds at all interesting to you, spend it, spend some time with it. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, we've got a little bit of time left on uh, for this episode. So why don't we spend a little more time talking about what's making us happy? Laura, why don't we start with you? Uh, well, I was in a bit of a reading rut after I tried to read a lot of very large or strange literary fiction in December for who knows why. So I was like, no, I need books I can gobble up. Terrible month to decide to read a giant book. Yeah, it was not a good choice. Um, but I've been reading a lot more short stuff and like much more weird genre stuff that is like just so easy 
to digest. And my top recommendation out of that set was Starter Villain by John Scalzi, who I've read a lot of his stuff before. But this is what if um, you're kind of like a failing substitute teacher and you find out that your rich uncle died and you think he has the most boring job, which is owning a ton of parking lots. <laughs> and then it turns out he's actually a supervillain and you have inherited his stuff and he has a volcanic lair and he has enemies and like you find this out because someone tries to stab him at the funeral to make sure he's really dead um nice. and it just keeps getting on it's nonsense it's like all of the fun um james bond stuff but with a much more modern take on it it's short it's quick and it is just the most fun to read that i've had in a long time so starter villain treat yourself you've been reading <laughs> like like put down that like I read a whole huge book about how we understand about life on other planets, and it was beautiful and it was moving. And then I was like, thousand page later, I was like, let's read something about a volcano there. Yeah. Thank you. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome wreck. I'll, I, uh, I have not done it much yet, but one of the things I'm trying to do is get back into get back into reading for pleasure and uh, you should read his re uh, book red shirts as well which is what if the, the red shirts on star trek like suddenly realize they are expendable <laughs> and mm. panic i well i i do love uh, it's not exactly the same but the show lower decks which is the animated star trek that's uh just had its fourth season you can finish yeah it um the lower decks people were like fan. Uh, we yeah. were a huge fan of the novel Red Shirts. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I, you definitely could see that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Lower Decks. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, Shane, how about yourself? Well, I am. Uh, I think I'm going to throw it back to the one of the more recent episodes we did. Uh, we covered kind of getting caught up on what's going on with the play date. And that episode mm. spurred me to get back and even dig a little further after, we're, after we finish recording. Um, and I found another game that I want to recommend on the Playdate store. Um, it's Ooh. called it's called Grand Tour Legends, and it is a bicycle racing game, uh, which really it first off just turns out to be a very natural fit for the crank on the Playdate, you know, because you're there's a there's a real similarity between pedaling a bike and cranking that little crank right <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh obvious yeah and it's also one of the best looking games on on the play date uh now that i've had some time to play it uh mm. i have seen some play date games that are doing 3d graphics um mostly mostly very very simply uh this game is doing some it actually took me a little while to realize how it achieves what I think is a really great look for a racing game on the play day. And it's a combination of uh, pre-rendered 3D video um, and 3D actually um, animated characters uh, kind of superimposed together. Um, the characters have a lot of liveliness and like cute faces and look good, right? It's a great looking uh, bike racing game and the gameplay is really fun. It's a lot about managing like your tiredness level. Um, if you're cranking fast, you can go fast, but uh, you know, it uses more of your stamina to do that on an uphill than a downhill. So maintaining your pace and winning the races is all about um, cranking uh, 
at the right speed. It's a precision cranking game. So <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It's it's a lot of fun. And it's going to be one of the games that I that I use yeah. to show off the play date. When people see it's, that bright that yellow thing in your Yeah, in your it hand seems like such around. an obvious yeah. uh like a perfect pairing that yeah, like really that is. and a fishing game are the two things like that seems you know i still don't sense. have a fishing game for they, it they're uh, still but i'm one. glad i have the bike racing yeah. game for it now i know um, yeah. yeah if you guys come up with any other great new playdate games let me know I, i'm still enjoying the one we talked about on the show um uh shoot what's it called it's like a roguelike castle uh dungeon delving game uh under but yeah dungeon? under the no. castle under, under the, the castle. castle. Yes. I was like, Under Dungeon is a different game. <laughs> yes, Under the Castle. I haven't actually started playing it yet, but I I, I wasn't able to be on that episode, but I did start doing some prep for it. Um, and there's a game called uh, Mega Dystopian Micro Architect, that MDMA, mm, MDMA. for sure. I have seen that on the store. It looks yeah. very interesting. I, uh, I have uh, purchased it. I have not played it yet. Um, mm. So I'm, I'll I'll check it out and report back to you. It looks a bit like early Sim City. Uh, that yeah, that it's a it's like game. a city builder on the play date, which is very interesting to me. Um, well, I it occurred to me the other day as I was thinking about this segment that we do, and I always feel like you guys always have such um, good media to recommend, and I never do because I don't watch a lot of TV or. Uh, um, a lot of movies that you have two children like well it's not no it's not that i just spend a lot more time playing other dumb video games also so uh but one thing i do a lot that that i don't talk about much on the show is i listen to a lot of music and it's very it's a big part of my life is finding new music and, and engaging with it so i wanted I, I thought i'm gonna start trying to recommend more music during this section so one of my favorite bands uh it's a newer band they're called Cheek Face. They're, it's Ooh. a three-piece out of uh, L.A. They just bought, put out a new album. It's called It's Sorted, and I am hooked. Uh, if you are a fan of talk singing, think Cake or uh, some, some parts of They Might Be Giants, uh, things like that. Very simple pop song, like pop rock. You know, again, like Cake, uh, things like that. If that sounds at all appealing to you, if at ever you were a fan of short skirt, long jacket, or any other major uh, cake hit, I cannot recommend Cheek Face enough. Now, I think they are different than those bands, and I, I, I'm I, starting to like Cheek Face even more than those bands, but um, that is the most obvious sort of cultural touchstone you know, when you talk about music, it's easy to talk about the, the sort of stew that they sound like. And um, yeah, I'm a huge fan. They put out a few albums over the last few years. And uh, I also got to see them live at a small club here and they couldn't have been nicer people. And they uh, my uh, daughter really likes them and they filmed a little video saying hello to her and they were just super sweet. And, uh, you know, the, the whole thing is great. So uh, cheek face highly highly recommend i mean i looked up their musical influences on my computer and i'm like yes i like all of these bands <laughs> so yes, i will definitely I, be checking them out they are i i it's that i'm they're incredible i'm a huge huge fan and so i i highly recommend it all of it all of it is good um but their new album that just came out like they're one of those bands that they've been like slowly and slowly getting more popular so their production 
quality has been slowly and slowly going up. And uh, this new record sounds amazing. And, Is there uh, a track you suggest starting with? Um, yeah. So on the new, well, yeah, I'll just say start with the newest album. Um, there's a song called Popular 2, which is hilarious um, because it riffs on the hook from Popular from Wicked. So, Laura, oh, I think you will you will like it. Or the last song on the album called Plastic, which I'm absolutely hooked on as well. Um, but they have a few songs from earlier in their discography that are probably a little bit bigger than those. Um, but... Just start start with the new stuff and work your way backwards. Cool. All right. So that'll do it for this episode. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. Um, cool game. Cool chat. Uh, if you want to. Cool podcast. Cool podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where the show breaks down. Reagan isn't here, but let's see how we can do it. So we try uh, to remember how people yes. can. If you, wanna, if you like this show and want to support it, consider joining our Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash the short game. This show is entirely listener supported and has been for the, uh, the entirety of its existence. And we are so grateful to all of our patrons. And uh, um, if you join the Patreon, you get access to our private Discord server, uh, which is where we get the vast majority of our game recommendations and where we talk about games day in and day out or just things around the gaming industry or just our lives and people's triumphs and problems and whatnot. Like it's, it's such a cool, cool little community that we've got uh, that uh, I say little, but it's been growing. and It's been really, really fun to have uh, such lively conversation in the discord. So if you're looking for like a super cool community that shares your interests, consider joining uh, patreon.com slash the short game uh if you want to find any of our show notes or our previous episodes um you can find it on the shortgame.net or shortgame.fm which has links to all of our various things there you can find links to the show um you can find our contact form where you can send us in if you want to make recommendations we're not we're pretty bad at social media in general, as far as the podcast goes, but the, the contact form is a great way to get a hold of us. Um, mm -hmm. or our social media is linked on the, on our, on shortgame.fm as well. You can find me on most, uh, social media at Nate STL, uh, Laura, where can people find you? Also on most social media at Laura J Nash, most active on blue sky and Twitter. No, not Twitter. Mastodon. Nice. Was active on Twitter. What Haven't touched Twitter? Twitter in a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, Mastodon is Laura J. Nash at Bird.Rodeo. Shane, how about yourself? Hey, you can find me in the Encarta Reference Library, which <laughs> offers comprehensive, up-to-date content, new research and learning tools, and the latest multimedia features. Your kids will do so well in school that they may as long as they delete the footnotes. <laughs> Delete the footnotes, kids, or else Laura Nash will school you. Uh, um, and then feel bad about it for decades. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Obviously, you've probably carried that longer than Reagan has. Reagan probably does um, not remember this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I, we, we mentioned the last episode. I want to repeat it as well. The show is now on YouTube. So if that is your preferred platform, um, you can find our entire catalog on YouTube. 
Uh, it's a little tricky to find right now because we happen to share a name with like an entire core concept of the game of golf. Mm -hmm. uh, so if, if you're looking for it in YouTube, uh, go search at the short game pod and that'll take it right to take us right to you. Um, and we should have links to it on, on our, all of our stuff as well. If you want to find it that way. Um, so yeah, you know, I thought we had really cracked it when we got onto relatively the first page of Google for the name of our own podcast. But looking how far uh, down we are uh, on YouTube, uh, oh, it's not. We're not even game. there on YouTube. But we hey, are wait. less than a week old. Yeah, we're, we'll we're brand there. new on YouTube. So um, if you are, if that's your preferred platform, get in there. The episodes will be there right when they hit everything else. It's all synced up. Um, so. It's a, another good way to follow us. Um, smash that subscribe button. Hey, hit the... Uh, I'm pointing down. Like, like and we're subscribe. On a, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. That's the phrase. <laughs> Nate is pointing at his screen like you can see a button. Um, right, this is why we don't do the outro. Yeah, I say yeah. Twitter instead of Blue Sky and Nate yeah. points at buttons that aren't there. And that'll do I it just... for this week's episode of The Short Game. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.